Good evening and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, He Met His Equal. And we're going to discuss that sometimes we need to respond to someone on their language. We need to be able to uh, really understand them and respond to them the way they, they hear. Saturday night I had the opportunity to meet with Rabbi Bolsovsky. Rabbi Bolsovsky is the Chabad rabbi in Iowa City, Iowa. And he was sharing just regarding an educational perspective how, of course, he was saying that parents at times, they figure whatever works with the first child will work with the rest. And he says it just takes a little bit of amount of time for the parents to see that that's not, it's not, it's not going to cut it. Every child is different. Everyone has to be dealt with on their level. That's on one extreme. The other extreme is we're going to, in our context, we're going to be talking about um, dealing with bad things or dealing with the evil inclination. Sometimes you really have to scream. It's interesting. The, the Torah says you should never get angry. But there is a law that says at times you need to raise your voice and scream. But when you scream, only scream externally. Make sure that internally you're, you're calm. The previous Rebbe shares at one time his father asked him to make a blessing on Tzitzit. He was a young boy, six or seven years old. And he said, Ty, I, I, already, I already did it on my own. To which his father responded, he said, I'm asking you to say the blessing. And the previous Rebbe responded, he said, If the blessing is for you, Father, I'll do it. But the blessing is for God. So how can I make the blessing again? It's the only time his father hit him, and he describes the hit. His father light, lightly touched him. That's the only time his father ever um, did an, uh, an act to try and uh, discipline him. But he shared with him, he says, Hashem appointed your parents to help guide you in Hashem's ways. If I am asking you to make the blessing, then effectively Hashem is telling you, you should now go ahead and make that blessing. But I share that story because we have people that yes, they may hit, but the hits don't, they could scream, they could shout, but they don't have their effect. However, if a person is always in control of their emotions, then the one time in their life that they needed to raise their voice, the one time in their life that they needed to make a gesture as if they were going to use their hands, that's going to have a far bigger effect than otherwise. You know, if we take a little look at where we are in Tanya, we're going to see a big hypocrisy. Did I say that word correctly? Why? Because Beginning from chapter 26 until and through chapter 28, we shared how there is no reason to ever be sad. Sadness is klipa. Sadness comes from the evil side. We only should be happy. 
However, beginning chapter 29 and 30, we said, be of humble spirit before everyone because you're much lower than they are. They have more potential than you. In chapter 29 and 30, we were really breaking a person which was going to lead to melancholy and depression. So how can you tell me chapter 26, 7, and 28? That you must always be happy. And then chapter 29 say, you know what? You're bad. You're evil. If you remember the five le- expressions we discussed? How, how do we have these two concepts? And that's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn that yes, sadness is bad. And it comes from unholiness. You cannot be holy and sad at the same time. Does anyone know why? Why can a truly... Why can a person that is only focused on God never be sad? Because faith in God presumably will reassure him there's no reason to be... Faith in God will reassure you to not be sad. Tell me more. I thought you were saying something else. Tom, explain to me that. Why? That that he doesn't have to, he or she doesn't have to worry about uh, anything adversely happening. Why? They don't need to worry about anything bad ever happening in their life. Well, but sometimes, unfortunately, things do happen. That's true. Yeshua, why is sadness unholy? Well, I, I would go back to the uh, flip side of it. And that is that a person who is... Uh, a person who is following the path, a person who is uh, in touch with Hashem, knows that they are living in Hashem's way. Okay. And that everything that is happening around them is happening for a reason. It's God's plan. And, uh, mm. and they should <coughs> face it, you know, face it, you know, full ahead and, and recognize it, that this is what it is. And, um, and have confidence that, uh, that this is the way it is. And give it their best shot every step of the way. And, if, and sadness is basically, uh, you know, having doubt. Ah, that's exactly it's, fantastic. It's losing, it's losing faith. It's questioning. It's it's uh, veering off the path. You know. Exactly, sadness, and, and Mishmael. That's why you you certainly weren't wrong. I just the, wanted to right I wanted to bring out the point I, a little I, deeper. I, I, about three times as many words. <laughs> And that I'll get to you in a moment. That's why I didn't keep my sadness comes from feeling I am an individual and something has happened to me. Why are we sad? We're sad, and we're not talking about being sad for some. Well, even sad for somebody else. But let's talk about ourselves. Being sad about who I am. Well, that means that you're worried about yourself. And you're focused on you. Put yourself, put yourself aside. Let's think about the bigger picture. If you think about the bigger picture, you should never be sad. Yeah. 
I mean, when someone, when a good friend dies, you don't say, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry for you, or I feel so sorry. I mean, that's not what you say, for instance. For instance. Right? Tell me again. Okay. In the presence of a mourner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you don't go up to the mourner and, you know, say, I'm so, I feel so, I'm so sorry. Right. You know, that's not what you say. Right. That's, a good, that's a good point. So sadness equals, sorry, who wants to say something? I just might. Well, you say Baruch Dayan Correct. Right? Sadness equals unholiness. Let's, let's get back. Yes, David. Perhaps this is a morbid preoccupation, and I'm not arguing with you, but um, I have... Uh, um, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I have a preoccupation about the Yom Kippur martyrs, uh, and I thought about that also in connection with what happened last weekend. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have difficulty forgetting things like that. I mentioned to you when I first opened up a book in grade school and saw the corpses all piled up, that image stuck with me all these years. I don't enjoy feeling sad, and I don't, ha and maybe I do have a morbid preoccupation, but I don't see how we can overlook those things. You know, I'm going to share. If, if we're talking, what? Yeah, but it's. It's not a matter of overlooking, it's how you respond. Right? That's true. If we're talking about sad things, then it's only appropriate I mention that tonight is the uh, yard site of a classmate of mine. This is Rabbi Kreiman's son. He said he, tonight Rabbi Kreiman has yard site for his son, who passed away unfortunately at about 22 or 23, I forget. He was actually engaged about to get married and unfortunately he passed away. Um, and tonight is his yard site and his Misham <coughs> Shav and Aliyah, his family should find a lot of comfort and solace. You know, but and there are sad things that happen in the world. There are truly, truly sad things. But the, the feeling of sadness is different. Sad things happen. How do I know? Because the Torah says how we respond to it. The Torah says, like Moshe, Moshe Mendel said, if someone passes away, you need a, a, a child tears his clothing and needs to sit on the floor and think about what has happened in his life for seven days. So yes, sad things happen. But the idea of sadness is not a holy feeling. So they're two separate things. We, does that make sense? Can we go into that? So again, when a person passes away, yeah. and the mirrors are turned, and they tear the cloth, right. tear the clothing, right. and they're sad. Um, is a mourner how does a mourner deal with sadness so as I was saying and I realized I may put myself in hot water but I want, I want to say firstly I'm going to be honest sadness, not the right word. I'm going to be and that's what I wanted to talk about separate section but first I want to be honest and say I'm not very familiar 
with everything surrounding the, the, um, the philosophy, or not basically what the appropriate understanding at that time is. But I'll share a thought that came to my head as I was sharing this is, we don't tell someone be sad. We tell somebody mourn. And there's a difference. The difference be... Oh, 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 I'm not going to share. What do you think the difference is between sadness and mourning? We don't tell someone just cry. Mourning is more of a process so, yeah, where you get from one say, place to another. <clears throat> for dealing with... Uh, it's a coming from a place of great loss, and it's a gradual process for a couple of days, for a week, for a month, for a year, and then at the end of the year, you fully return to your community. Right? So it's really being totally separate to very slowly being re-engaged, coming back to your community and reliving your life. Yeah, it's like healing. Right. And, and, and if we put it in that context, then all of a sudden it's a holy act. Because it's part of returning. Part of, but in general, you're appreciating the time you had with that person and the lessons you've learned and the yeah. positive experiences that you've had. So, our goal now is to understand if sadness is unholy, why would I encourage you at times to be sad? We're going to start off by discussing how sadness is unholy, and if hopefully we'll have time, we're going to talk about the need for someone at times to be sad. <clears throat> Page 140, chapter 31. Again, page 140, chapter 31, beginning of the chapter. Chapter 31. Even if by prolonging the deep concentration on the aforementioned matters, the items we discussed in chapter 29 and 30, to go ahead and think how you are lower than all other creations, because all other creations can't go against God and you could or your dreams, etc., as we discuss in chapter 29, or if you're going to think about what we discuss in chapter 30, how everyone else, in a sense, is greater than you, you should truly think that everyone else is greater than you, you should be of humble spirit before everyone else, and you're going to think about these items, not for a minute, for an hour or two. You're really focused. Why? In order to acquire a humble spirit and a contrite heart. You're working to truly make yourself humble. What's going to happen? The individual will lapse into a profound dejection. The natural consequence of such thoughts is that you're going to become dejected, you're going to become sad. Says Tanya, he should not worry. Do not let this worry you. Why? And now we're going to continue saying how bad sadness is. For although sadness stems from the well realm of Klipas Noga, remember Klipas Noga we discussed, that there's evil and then there's potential. There are three types of Klipa that are bad and have no good. We can't connect with them. We can't refine them at all. And then there is something that is negative, but it's up to us how we're going to use it out. Will we use it out for the good, 
or the opposite. For example, when we go ahead and eat something, anytime we eat a fr of any, uh, any item, we have the, uh, we have the ability mm -hmm. to take the holiness within it and raise it up, or God forbid the opposite. Anytime we, anytime we take... Yeah, so let's take food. Food is a simple example again. We could take that energy for the good or for the bad. If we take the energy for the good, the whole eating experience was holy. If we take the energy for the bad, the whole eating experience was now unholy. This is Klipas Noga. So sadness comes from Klipas Noga and not from that of holiness. Remember, to be sad means you're worried about yourself. It cannot be holy. How nonetheless... Okay, let's continue. Why can it be holy? Since in regard to holiness it is written, my strength and gladness are in his place. And the divine presence, Shechina, abides only in joy. As is the case also in the study of Halacha. If we want to go ahead and properly learn, you want Hashem to dwell with you, you need to be happy. And so on. Are, you, are you, we familiar that a prophet, to have prophecy, had to be happy? That is one of the reasons that the prophets at times, they look like drunkards. Because they were able to be happy in any experience. Are we happy right now? We're working on Except, so sadness is not holy. Except that if the sadness comes from ref reflections about celestial, spiritual things, so now it is derived from the realm of goodness that is in Noga. Remember, there is, within this Noga, there is the ability for it to be good or not good. If you're going to take the sadness because you're sad about not doing holy things, so now it's a good sadness, but it's still not holy. It's good sadness, but it's still not holy. And this explains to us why even if someone truly should be sad, they have sinned. Nonetheless, says the Arizal, you should not be sad a whole day. Hence, the Arizal wrote that even worry about sins is only fitting during confession. Says footnote number four, in the prayer before retiring to bed. So even if someone truly has sinned, don't reflect on it a whole day. Before you go to bed, perhaps, but not during prayer and Torah study, which should be conducted with joy, derived from the side of holiness, exclusively. When we are serving Hashem, we need to be happy. And unhappiness, sadness, comes from Klipas Noga, maybe the better of it, but sadness comes from Klipas Noga. So this begs the question, this begs the question, how can we go ahead and tell someone they should be of humble spirit? Where is this going to take us? You know, firstly, before we continue, one of the attributes of a chassid is to always be happy. One of the attributes of a chassid 
is to always be happy. Because exactly what we're learning here is someone can truly connect and understand that everything is from Hashem, so there's no place for sadness. So how could it be that at times we're telling you you should break yourself, continues Tanya. Nevertheless, the method of subduing this Sitra Achara is on the latter's own ground. As the rabbis of blessed memory have said, from the forest itself is taken the axe wherewith to fell it. How do you cut down the forest with an axe? Where does the axe come from? The axe comes from the forest itself. Are you familiar with the famous Matasyahu song here? Tell me again chop the famous him, chop what? It down. Chop him down. There's a famous Matasyahu song, which maybe when we finish this paragraph, we'll listen to it, because he's actually, he's singing this piece of Tanya right here. From the forest itself is taken the axe wherewith to fell it. That's quote number one. Meaning that sometimes if you want to go and chop down, if you want to go work in the forest, you first need to take a bit of it. And second quote, and he met his equal. You know what they say, pick on someone your own size. Sometimes we have to be able to act with someone on their level. Let's stop here for a moment. You know what, I think we should listen to that song. Anyone want to find that song quickly online? Could you, could you find it? I just don't have it. I don't have it. Tell me again what the song is. This is a song... From the singer Matas Yahu. It's called Chabatan. I don't know the name of it. Oh, something like that. Well, it's probably on YouTube. Right? Yeah. It's even white at first. <laughs> yeah, really. It's something to do with Chapa. There it is. Chop him down. Is that it? Chop him, chop him down, yeah. Oh, who's, who's singing it in that version? Matas Yahu. Okay. Let's see. I, I, the truth is, I. Just, Yishai, yeah. one second, I want to say, I have never properly listened to it, but I've been told that it's a good understanding of this piece of Tanya. Go ahead. Okay. But only one person should play it at one time. Are you playing? Or are you playing? Who's playing it? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. If you don't mind stopping it, I'll tell you what we'll do. Afterwards, yeah, afterwards, 
afterwards if we could send out a link. But yeah. I, it, but sounds I, like, uh, it sounds like Lenny Berman doing karaoke, doesn't it? Say yeah, yeah, yeah. That song basically he's yes. My understanding is that if I that it's based off of this piece of Tanya. But the, the point that Tanya is sharing is that let, let's look at the let's look at the quote from the forest itself comes a handle to the axe to chop down another tree. If we want to go ahead and deal with the klipa, if you want to go ahead and fight the negativity that's within you, sometimes you need to take from within it and use it to get back. Does that make sense, Dr. Malov? Um, I think it will. Well, well let's, so let's try and give an example. <coughs> you, we're not going to go and do something that's evil in response to working with the unholiness. Let me, let me, you know what, let me first try and explain. I'm going to stand up for a moment. Let me first try and explain. There is a problem. The problem is that we're not on the same talking terms. Ho- the, the godly soul and the animalistic soul are in, different, are in different terms. Meaning the godly soul understands one God. It's able to be one with Hashem. The animalistic soul knows that, there's an Hash- that Hashem exists, but feels that I'm also in existence. I once had a class from, Ra- class from Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Rabbi Simon Jacobson, I don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote Towards a Meaningful Life. He has a lot of amazing books he's written. He came and he gave a talk and he started off, he said one thing. He said, whenever you have a conversation with someone, make sure you're on common ground. Because if you're trying to convince someone that they need to keep kosher, and yet they don't believe in God, you're, you're on different wavelengths. Then first, we first have to, you have to start, what's your premise? The godly soul and animalistic soul have different premises. They don't have, they're not talking the same language. The godly soul believes that he is a part of God and he's not an individual. The animalistic soul says, I am a somebody. Yet, I also believe in God. Do you understand that challenge we have here, Yishai? Okay, so, therefore... If you want to deal with the animalistic soul, you have to deal with it on its level. Don't go ahead and tell the animalistic soul, yeah, just be one with Hashem, forget it. He's not going to understand that. What does he... You can go, you can go back to the example that you gave earlier with the, uh, the father and the son. Tell me. And uh, the father, in a controlled way, uh, got down to the son's level by giving him a potch, a small potch, right. that got the son's attention so that he would understand what, what, what things were. Um, if, if, the, if the father had just used words and didn't and didn't um, sort of come in contact with his emotion in a controlled fashion, he wouldn't have gotten the point across. And, and another thought comes to mind, and again, it's back to the more, and that is, so you've lost a loved one, and 
you know, person A can just put up a wall and uh, put on a smiley face and move on. Their heart is broken, but they but they haven't let go. Okay, person B can realize that they I am engaging in a grieving process. And I am going to actively participate in this grieving process, knowing there's a light to the end of this tunnel, hmm. and that there are, are, you know, seven steps. I forgot what they were, you know, including arguing and bargaining and stuff like that. But basically, go full bore in, immerse, to know that they're going to go right through that level to the next level, to the next level of the grieving process. I appreciate and, that. And the second one is probably the more complete process. So in other words, you are allowing yourself to grieve. You're allowing yourself to be sad because you know that being sad is on the path to healing. Try that's a thought. How does that work? So I want to, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Because let me share back here and tell me if this is, the animalistic soul needs to be spoken to in a way that you respect its feeling that it is a somebody. Last night I was by the, this conference. Did anyone get a chance to watch the banquet live? <coughs> if, if you, what? A little, a little bit. Did you see the part about this man who had a big afro? You saw like three people on stage? No. You used to have that. I, I, I encourage everybody. You watched it? Yeah, I saw the whole thing. Uh, well, not live, but it's 55 minutes late. Baruch saw it. Okay, good. Yeah, there was a man. What did he have? Let me share the story, but I'm going to encourage yeah, yeah. you all to watch it. It was unbelievable. There was a lot. There was a, a boy <clears throat> who was getting himself into a lot of trouble. And. Basically, his parents didn't know what to do. And they felt the last, the last straw of hope is he should go talk to his local rabbi. And the boy told his parents, no, no. Finally, he says yes. But he decided he's going to come to Shul and he's going to show that rabbi. And he came, basically, whatever you, whatever you shouldn't come to Shul, that's the way he dressed. He had a big afro and wearing jeans, whatever it was. And he's, like, he's waiting for the rabbi to come and scream at him. And the rabbi comes, and the rabbi gives him this big hug. And says, thank you so much for coming. Fast forward, that hug, today he himself is a Chabad rabbi in Delaware. So, just a story, it's only a 10-year story, but it's affected already three generations. Rabbi Arya Weinstein is the rabbi who gave the hug to Rabbi Matel Tamati Finkelstein and this Rabbi Mati now has another boy who's in, who he connected with in a similar way who's in yeshiva. It, it will be much more powerful when you hear them sharing the story on their own. But I shared it to tell you that sometimes we have to allow the person to think that, he, that yes, an afro is Nice, I like it. You want to come to show? Be yourself. Do, do. But, I still love you. You're still a Jew. And that's what we're, 
That's where we're going with the sadness. We're looking at the animalistic soul and saying, you know what, you're, you're an individual, be an individual. But know that you still are not as great as you think. Sadness. What does sadness mean? It's saying, yeah, I respect you as an individual. Remember we said sadness is unholy because that means you're an individual? So now let's throw that back at the animalistic soul. Be sad. No problem. Be sad. Be sad for a holy reason. So now I'm connecting to you on your level. Yisha, yeah? Not Yisha, because Yisha doesn't understand. Yisha has one. With, but I'm, I'm, I'm throwing it back to the animalistic form. I'm saying you want to be a somebody, be a somebody. But you still have a lot to work on. From the forest itself, the forest now is the animalistic soul, comes the handle to the axe, comes the tool with which we're now going to throw back at the forest, at the animal soul. From the forest itself comes the handle with which you're going to go now and chop down more of the forest. From the animalistic soul itself comes the tools with which we're now going to throw back at the animalistic soul to work with it. Does the analogy now fit in a little better? Well, I have a little trouble because um, um, I, I don't see like you know, somebody being an individual. Okay. I mean, that that in itself is such a bad thing. Um, he says, "Well, you should." Destroying the individuality. Where where are you quoting? Well, from? I, I don't know. I mean, but that's the uh, animalistic soul is the individual individuality. Right? That's, that's wait. First, I need a laugh. I need a laugh. I need a laugh because Dr. Malov, remember here we're talking about a bainani, and remember a bainani is on a very high level, and this is the level that everyone can achieve. So we're not saying that it's bad to think that you're an individual. We are saying that that's not, that's not the ultimate. That comes from the animalistic soul. The, that's not coming from the godly soul. Does that mean you're a bad person if you think you're an individual? No. But to be a bainani, which is something that we all strive to be and we can be, means that we have the ability to actually remove our, from ourselves that feeling of being a separate entity from God. We have that ability. So let's not forget that this is our dream, but it's a possible dream. The Tanya is telling us who we can be on the best lay, on the in the best way. Did that help at all? Um, yeah. yeah um. Godly soul gives us all potential, but I don't understand how we can connect that with being happy. The story is a valid story, and I don't remember when I read this before it making an impression on me one way or the other. Maybe I was unhappy when I read it, um, but. Uh, these things 
don't seem to be in the same room, much less in the same house. I, I don't understand. Are you asking a question? I guess I'm expressing my own problem with this. I, uh, these things do not generally elude me. This eludes me. I, so could you cry? We can't settle this tonight, but it's... We have three minutes. There's a, isn't there a saying something like, maybe I'm misquoting, but Shivim, Shivim, Parim, La Torah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody got their yeah. 70 faces to the Torah. Right. So, which means that, my understanding of that is that, that um, you know, somebody could, one person could understand a piece of the Torah mm -hmm. one way, and mm -hmm. then somebody else could do it another way, and then mm -hmm. there's actually 70 valid ways of doing it. Right. Depending on where he's coming from, mm -hmm. or where she's coming from, mm -hmm. you know, as an individual. Right. So, um, if that's true, yeah. and, and, and that one way of approaching God is through, through your individuality, then, then I'm not sure why it's necessary to, to stamp it out. I mean, I mean, unless you have, uh, you know, a part of you that is, is, um, you know. I think what you, uh, okay, what you're asking is, why is individuality a bad thing? Yeah. yeah now, I think we, you, what, what you, I think what I'm saying individuality is, and what you think I'm saying is different. I don't think we're arguing. Okay. Everybody has talents. Everybody is unique. And Hashem wants you to use your talents. And that's what's unique about each individual. Use it out to the fullest. And if you don't use it out, then you're wasting it. And, and in heaven, they're going to ask you, why did you waste your talent? Mm -hmm. What I was referring to when I used the word individuality, I, I meant to say that the fact that you have talents, does that mean you're better than anybody else? Or does that mean you're one with God and God gave you a certain talent and everyone else a different talent? It doesn't make you better than anyone else. No. It, it just makes you unique. But you're not separate from God. I was using the word individual just as a, as a reference of being separated from God. Mm. Everyone must use their talents. To their fullest. The moment a person thinks that I am separate from God, and that's where sadness comes from, because you start thinking about yourself, that's an unholy thing. But the individual using his talents, that's an extremely holy thing. So for instance, if somebody is a violinist, yeah. let's say, <clears throat> um, so if they if they have the attitude that, well, you know, I'm the greatest violinist that ever was, I'm better than Heifetz, <laughs> you know, nobody else can hold a candle to me. I mean, that, that's one thing. But if, he, but if there's a violinist who is playing um, and using that music to get close to Hashem, that would be something else. That would be holy. Yeah. That would be appropriate. Right. Speaking of which, uh, Menuhin was related to the, this guy, right? He's a descendant of... Uh, 
Yehudi Menuhin? Yeah, the violinist. I, I don't know who that is. He's a descendant of the violinist. He was an outstanding English violinist really? yeah, and yeah. conductor. This is grand, hmm. He passed away not too long ago. Let's try and put this all together and then we could take more questions. In summary, we said that sadness comes from a feeling of being separated from God. I apologize for using the word individual. Sadness comes from the feeling of being separated from God. And therefore it's unholy because we're not separate from God. We're one. It's an unholy thing to feel you're separate from God. How then? How then can we tell you at times you should, you should think how low you are and become sad? That sounds like it's backfiring. We're saying sadness is, is unholy. And yet, at times we're telling you you should become sad because sometimes it is necessary to respond to the animalistic soul with words it understands. Why does sad apathy be, have anything to do with us being close to God? Say it again. Why does being sad or happy have anything to do with us closest to God? Whether we are sad or happy doesn't mean that we repel God. How could you be sad if everything is from God and everything is God? How, what's making you sad then? Because God gave me the potentiality to understand the plight of my fellow man, to be sympathetic and to realize that there are circumstances which require my concentration in order to make the world a better place. So do something about it. That's not sadness. Sadness means you're sad. If you're doing something, you're not sad. You're proactive. I suspect you and I are talking across purposes here. The difference between the emotion and the behavior. You can, you can, the emotion is sadness, but then your behavior can be whatever you want it to be. So is a person who is clinically depressed, ungodly? You're dealing with your... Well, don't go to depression. That's something different. Here's here's just a wild thought I was thinking about. See if this resonates. Depression can make you sad. Let's say you're, let's say you're, uh, let's say you're a guy that, uh, you know, whose parents died young and you lived out on the street. And you did drugs, you sold drugs, you robbed banks, and you go to prison. You were angry, you were sad, you were lost. You go to prison, and uh, you have it. well, you find God, and you find happiness. Um, you were sad before, you were disconnected, now, now you were connected, and you found happiness. Um, and you found a connection. You also were disconnected before, and you found and you found connection. I mean, I'm thinking of, I mean, why do why do Shulchan go to the prison? Are the people that they're meeting with people who are sad and are trying to get closer to Hashem? Does that does that fit in? This discussion that makes sense. That's an interesting example. I appreciate that. That you, you're. I was you, going to say something more radical. Right. That's something to think about. But are atheists happy people, or are they sad <laughs> people? And if no. and if they are happy, why are they happy, and are they really truly happy? Is it? Mm. It gets into the definition of happiness. Is it just? 
physical happiness hmm. or is it something on a higher plane? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to think about it myself. I mean, I think that's a good example. Using there are times that sadness, and that's what we're saying here, that sadness is a tool to the next step. And in that case, the sadness itself may not be holy, but it's a tool for holiness. Because, so here. because it spurs you on to purpose? Or to correct, correct. But on a deeper level, what we explained was the only way to really hit home with the animalistic soul is by using its own tools, using the tool of sadness. Sometimes, that's what the second quote is, he met his equal. Sometimes you need to use, sometimes you need to talk to somebody on their level, a little sharp. Hmm. If you're having sadness, you want to seek Hashem is to help the sadness or as opposed right. to sadness. Right. You see where it leads you. You still be like the, the chopping, the axe being used, the wood of the axe being used to chop down other trees. Exactly. The sadness of that has spurred him on to, to do more See, things. There you go. <laughs> the thing about axes nowadays, though, that makes me sad that they're making my plastic handles instead of wood. Can't buy a good wooden axe handle. <laughs> but now you're sad. Yeah, don't, well. sad. don't be sad. <laughs> The term no guys, I find confusing. How do you... <laughs> no guy means light. No guy means light. It's light. It's a shell that has a potential light in it. The question is where are you going to lead the light? Potential light. Also, environmentalists got away from the phrase, kiss my aspen. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, everyone. Yeah. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.